I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Sylvester, I am so excited to get to spend the morning with you and talk all things happiness. Um, We are also going to dive into your experience is so extensive, so incredible. You have, you know, been involved in Academy award-winning television series and all sorts of things. Could you share a little bit about who you are, how you got where you are and uh, what your mission and life purpose is now? Okay. Well, I definitely can say who I am. Uh, but uh, it's a, a long journey, like any lifetime is a long journey. I have had, a, to me, a wonderful life, uh, you know, not without its ups and downs, because there's no uh, life that doesn't have an up or no life that doesn't have some downs. But uh, I started out in the city of Chicago and went to Chicago Public Schools, uh, which uh, eventually I ended up teaching uh, substitute teacher. I uh, have been uh, an airline worker. Matter of fact, as uh, I worked for an airline and I was uh, amongst the first African-American crew chiefs, which if you don't know what that is, being in charge of loading aircraft at O'Hare Field, the uh, world's busiest airport. And that was back in the 1960s. Uh, so that was a very interesting uh, era that I worked uh, in uh, the 60s. I, I, I Traveled quite extensively. I traveled quite extensively throughout the world. Uh, I ran a business for approximately 20 years. Uh, I have I've been a background actor at Movie Extra recently and still am at, at this point in time. Uh, I've written three books in a, the series The Road for M- Money. And the fourth book will be uh, in the series, fourth and final book of that series, we will be out this spring. And uh, it's being pitched to Hollywood producers at the present time. So hopefully you'll get to see it come to the, either the TV screen or the big motion picture screen. Uh, I have had many different lifetimes and many different uh, jack of all trades, and I hope I master a few of them. Well, gosh, you know, I love that. And I, and I've had a similar life journey, right? If you had told me 10 years ago that I would have done all the things I've done and dabbled in all the things I dabbled in, um, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but I, but I really wanted to experience life for all that it offers. And I think that this is something where, you know, a lot of people get stuck and caught in this idea that we have to be or do one thing. And I love that you're saying and demonstrating that, you know, no, we can experience all of these things in life. We don't have to set our sights on one thing and then, you know, let ourselves experience the failure if we don't achieve it as we want or whatever. Uh, Multiple eggs in the nest is not a bad thing. Um, Could you share with me a little bit about your book, The Road from money. Most of the books, right, are the road to money. <laughs> yeah, well, and money is some sort of, um, you know, catalyst for happiness. And um, certainly I have, I'm of the belief that, um, you know, I'd like to make enough money 
to where I can live comfortably without fear of making mortgages and things like that. But what is your perspective on this, this book that you've written? Well, number one, I don't think money makes you happy, but uh, you know, there's a lot of other elements that go into a lifetime other than the financial endeavor. Uh, but uh, my book starts out and make it to make a long story short, it's written about my aunt, 75% truth. And I had to put some fiction in there to make it all come together. But uh, <laughs> true. she started in the cotton fields of Mississippi, uh, Money, Mississippi, on the Tallahatchie River. That's where the, my, my series starts. The book starts out. And to make a long story short, she went from that to a millionaire here in Chicago. She actually ended up selling some properties to the University of uh, Chicago before she passed away. Wow. Wow. Talk so I, thought, to me. I thought that was an interesting journey. I thought it was a story that should be told. Uh, it was a story of perseverance. It had a little of everything in it. It has music. It has, uh, you know, what happened back the history. But then it also came up, it ends up in the modern times with Obama being elected as president. So I take you from, I take you from the year 1925 in the series to 2009 in the series. So I thought that was a, uh, uh, extensive here history of, and I'm a historian by the way oh, that's another one of my monikers I have degrees in history and geography so that uh, I applied that to the book um, well, you know, some of the things that we share in common, you uh, you grew up in Chicago. I absolutely love Chicago, love the food. Uh, you worked for a major airline. I am a pilot. So many things that we could we could talk about. Um, but the Deep South, I've been there quite a few times, um, spent, spent quite a bit of time there. And, you know, my experience of it is that it's so dynamic in culture. And one of the things that you've been kind of on the public speaking trailblazing about is um, racial, you know, diversity, etc. What are your thoughts on where the world is right now in this way? Well, as I alluded to uh, briefly a moment ago, I am a historian. So my thoughts, if you're saying world, that's a big, that encompasses the whole globe, uh, right? History always repeats. History always repeats. Human beings have a propensity to see things one time and learn something that's not really good. They go into war and they learn something from that war for about a period of 20, maybe 30 years. And then they're right back to the same mistakes. Uh, where we are right now in history, I feel like we're in the area of, of Nazi Germany in the years 1933 when Hitler was coming to power and uh, or just before the Civil War. Uh, when the country was divided north and south. You see the same things working through. If you're a historian, you see it from a different perspective than I think the average human being does. Uh, only historians understand history thoroughly, I think. Uh, we don't teach enough history in our schools, so therefore most people are not educated to go deeply into history and to find out what true history is versus the uh, uh, what we call revisionist history. Well, I'll tell you, somebody recently told me history was written by the victor. And yeah. it's like, wow, when you have that understanding, you start to see things you can't unsee. It makes sense. And I completely concur with you. Um, in general, I think we're teaching all the wrong things in the schools, right? I mean, kids don't come out of school knowing how to sew or how to cook 
or how to survive at all, you know, and, and the backstory of how we got where we are emotionally, psychologically, um, all of that. And they don't have any coping skills for how to deal with, you know, adversity and diversity. And I think that um, the way that we are doing curriculum in our public school systems and even in our private school systems is absolutely backwards to what would be beneficial for us as a nation, learning how to, you know, have an appreciation for varying opinions and, and thoughts. And also um, understanding that sometimes the, the story we get is only one side. Yeah, true enough. Uh, you know, history again is because America is a, is a dynamic, wonderful, beautiful country. I've had the fortune to be to go to 40 of the 50 states I've visited that much. And every wow. moment that America has, I probably saw it from the Alamo to uh, Mount Rushmore to the Golden Gate Bridge to the Statue of Liberty. You know, those are some of just some of the, if, it, if it's really a historical Washington, D.C. to Washington Monument, I can go on and on. But the bottom line is that most of us don't get to see the country. Most of us don't get to see the world because for financial reasons or other reasons, we just don't get a chance to travel. Uh, the thing that I think most enhances my experience in life is being able to travel, uh, to be able to see other cultures, to have the historical knowledge, being a historian and a geographer, uh, I have the knowledge of the place that I'm going to generally in my head before I go. Uh, that it makes it a, a little more vivid to me than I think the average person would when I see the Alamo, I know not only the, the story of the Alamo that's told, but I know about Santa Ana, I know about the Pancho Villa, and I know about a lot of the characters that came out of the Mexican Sam Houston that came out of the uh, Mexican War. Uh, and I don't see it from only the American perspective. Uh, I see it from the, uh, the uh, you know, Latin perspective, you know, because California at one point was totally Latin, uh, you know, California was sold by the Mexican, the uh, descendants of Mexicans. And, uh, you know, you when you look at it, we get this thing about, you know, the hero, does David Crockett, uh, Sam Bowie, you know, you know, that we, we write the story. I'm, a, I'm an also an author, so therefore I understand writing. And I understand the characters that I put in, and like cooking a pot of soup, you put a little onion in, and you put a little uh, whatever it is you're cooking, and you put a little salt and a little pepper, and whatever uh, basic food you're going to put in to cook a stew. That is what you put in, and so that stew comes out with a certain flavor. Uh, American history has been not taught, and it's been deprived. When you deprive one group of history. You can't deprive, you deprive all groups of history. For example, if I went, I've all had the pleasure of going to African-American schools predominantly and living in an African-American community. Um, my folks lived in Chinatown and we moved there for a while, right at 22nd in Chicago here. And that was a Chinatown. And I had some very uh, close friends that were Asian. And then when we, when I was, uh, I'd say about 14 years old, we moved to Michigan, my mother bought, 40 acres of land, and my stepfather built a house week to week with his bare hands, and we lived in that house. And so that was an area that was predominantly, my high school class had only about 5% Black. So I've had the experience of living not only in a predominantly African-American situation, I've lived in 
mixed situation, and I lived in a, a situation where predominantly a white situation. So most people don't get that experience. Then on top of that, I've been able to travel, like I said, see the world. And I was just in Cuba just before the pandemic. So, you know, and I won't enumerate hell of places. I've been Venezuela, you know, Denmark, Norway. Yeah, yeah I can uh, name, sit here and name quite a few places that I've traveled to. And so, therefore, I've, you know, have seen quite a bit of the, the world. And my thing is, just do it. That's what Nike says, just do it. I mean, uh, what holds most people back is the fear of failure. Failure is a part of life. Failure teaches you lessons to go forward with. Uh, when you fail, you try again, and maybe you try the same thing or you try something different, but you try to figure out what the mistakes you made. Uh, why did you fail? How did you fail? What can you do not to fail next time? So all that comes out of failure. So I have, I, I don't have a fear of failure like that. And I think most people get held up by the fear of failure, uh, the fear of not having an income, the fear of, you know, uh, life is, you're going to fail. There's, no, I don't care what you try. And I'm, even the most successful people have failed at something at some point in their life. So that's one of the things that motivate me, not to, to dwell on where I fail, but try to put the next step, okay, I failed. So that's, that didn't work. And why didn't it work? So you analyze your failures. You know, that's really a growth oriented mindset. I mean, a lot of times I think people get fixed in stuck because they're not afraid. They're not willing to face their own downfalls. They're not willing to face their own choices. And, uh, you know, it's really hard when we get to a point, I mean, you know, I've, I work with, you know, people that are, that are coming into their, like, you know, we can call it the third quarter of life. And uh, they're realizing that these narratives that they have been pushed, which was, you know, basically work your butt off until you die for this 401k that you may or may not get to use <laughs> um, has just been incredibly deceptive and that they've missed out on opportunity to experience the world and travel and taste other foods and, you know, and, and say hello to people in other cultures. And I think that what we've seen post pandemic more than anything is people realizing how much of their life they'd given to other people because they were afraid to do anything other than what they were taught or told that they needed to do. Well, I think that's where, you know, that is what made my life very interesting. Uh, I started a business and I, was, I had the advertising specialty. You know what that is. It's the imprinted items such as caps, jackets, buttons, balloons, and it's promotional items. And I was in that business for 20 years, and I had some of the biggest uh, clients, uh, you know, Coors Beer out of Golden. That was a client of mine, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, she had a McDonald's, Oakbrook, Illinois, 7-Up at the time that I was in business, was located in uh, Clayton, outside of uh, St. Louis. Uh, so you can see I had, uh, and I, I serviced uh, colleges and universities and and it was my business, and I sit at the kitchen table one night. Somebody sent me a book, and I said, I want to do this business. It was that simple to me. I wanted to do it. And once you want to do something, uh, and you put the right amount of, if you have the right amount of knowledge and the, the right amount of uh, preparation, do it. Uh, and even if you don't, try it. I mean, my mother used to say, nothing beats a try but a failure. 
so you know, <laughs> I, I was taught not to not to look at you know it like that average person. I don't think I think that I leap, and sometimes I leap before I look, and sometimes it had not, had not worked out the way I would like for it to work out. But I learned now to be more careful when I leap. That's all it, it taught me, you know. I used to, when I was younger, I would do things very rapidly and just, you know, if I said to do it, I would do it, but I would, I take more time, I analyze things a little bit more and I get more into the meat of what I'm doing. Uh, but that came from failure because I've had business that failed before it once succeeded. So that's the way it works. I mean, uh, uh, I got into background acting, believe it or not, I was walking down the street here in Chicago, I live downtown. And a gentleman came up to me and he says, uh, we need some people. Would you be interested in being in a movie? You look like somebody we can use as an extra. And, you know, I'm saying, you know, to me, this guy is some kind of crackpot. What is this? I mean, <laughs> you come to me with this. Yeah, sure. I, you're going to put me in the movie. <laughs> he handed me a flower, uh, excuse me, uh, a paper. And it looked uh, legit, you know. So he says, come over here. And it was up on the north side. I said, ah, what the heck? Let me try it. I, I had some time on my hand the next day. I wasn't really busy. So I, w I went up north and when I got there, it looked like, uh, you know, one of these talent shows where you got a million people trying to get on stage. And I said, yeah, I got a real chance of being some extra in some movie. Well, to make a long story short, I ended up uh, a week or two later, the phone rang and they said, the Sylvester Boyd, you fill out some paperwork and you were interested in uh, being, doing some extra work with us. And it was a casting director. And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, you're going to be cast in, we cast you as the uh, security guard in the movie uh, The Dilemma with uh, some of the biggest stars at uh, that time. Uh, one of the biggest uh, stars in that was, you know, was Queen Latifah and Vince Vaughn. And, oh, wow. <laughs> and, Jen and Jennifer Connelly. And, uh, oh, and, wow. And so my career in, in being a background actor which recently I received the award of the local award here for background acting. But that started with me having the faith to take that piece of paper that came into my space and saying, let's try it. Suppose I had have not taken that leap at that point. Well, a lot of things I've been on, I've been on stage uh, in movies with some of the biggest stars in Hollywood, Academy Awards. I look at the Academy Awards and I say, oh, I was just with that person 10 minutes ago. Uh, the, it's crazy, the, right? Like how many things do we miss in life because we're not even willing to see the potential opportunity or take a chance? The, the chance. And it would, to me, it was just like going up north. If so would I have to lose? Had not, right, nothing. Done it, right. Had not done it, I would have just been where I was. And so I said, okay, let's do it. Let's see it. You know, get me a hamburger or something. If it don't work out, no big deal. But uh, I have been in over 150 my last count was about 150 TV uh, programs and motion pictures. So wow, that's one what, piece of paper. What's your favorite thing that you've done in all these things you've done in life? What What do you think bring? What do you think brings you the most joy? You know, there's not one thing because every one of them is again that we go back to that pot of soup. <laughs> every one of them has a special place. It's like you asking me what What's your favorite place in the world that you travel to? And Venezuela is a lot different than Cuba, and San Juan, Puerto Rico is a lot different than Mexico, and Denmark is a lot different than the United States. So there's no, each one of them adds their own flavor, their own uniqueness, their own specialness. So 
that's the way life is. I mean, and that's what we got to learn that differences actually add a flavor to the pot that taken or omitted that flavor then does not exist and it. it's a totally different pot. Even, even the, even the not quote, not great things, right? Even those things add some level of value. They add, you know, that little kick that you needed to get to the next thing or whatever. I like that a lot. Uh, what's something you want to create in your life now? What would you like to create? What would you like to experience? Well, I like to experience the, my uh, book series coming to the motion picture screen right now, which I'm deeply involved in right at the present moment. That's something I would like to see because that then would give me the sense of taking my aunt's story and seeing it on the screen and seeing her life come uh, to the big movie screen and also seeing the, the life that I've lived because part of what's in those books are part of me. Uh, I would, I'd like to see, uh, you know, in, in my lifetime to see us to be able to see others as we want to be seen. And we don't do that, which comes out to a simple golden rule, do unto others or see others as you want to be seen. So I think a lot of the things that I would like to see, uh, I'm getting well up there in age right now. So uh, uh, some of the things I'd like to see in the future is this people just getting along a little better. We all divided. We divide on everything. And matter of fact, uh, I'm thinking about writing a book along the political lines next time uh, because the divides are all the same. Being a historian, I, I can go back and tell you everything that happened as far as why people got into the difficulties we got into. It, they're always the same. You know, it's money, it's power, it's, you know, it, it's the same element. It's, it's, it's racism, it's sexism, it's ageism, the isms of the world. They stay the same. They, they, they don't change. It's just a matter of the cast of characters change. The people that play on the stage change. But the same thing that gets one group of people into trouble, uh, two or three years later or a generation later, gets the same thing happens all over again. So if we could learn from history, we would be a, a much better world, much better planet. And because here again, I'm an American, but I've seen enough of the world, you know, that the world, everything in this world is connected to the next thing. There's nothing that's not connected. Uh, you take the honeybees out and we got a problem with pollination of plants, just one little bee. And, uh, you know, the, 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 that one little segment of uh, uh, insect affects our food chain. So. There's nothing that's not connected, but we seem to think everything is is not connected. You know, the, the food that you eat on your table is not connected to the farmer. The farmer is not connected to the soil, and the soil is not connected to the oxygen. So everything is connected. I've learned that interconnectivity is one of my favorite. Uh, matter of fact, I, I did a paper on that some years ago and how we're connected. I think yeah, you're spot on and it's hard sometimes to realize the ways in which we influence so many things and people around us with our energy and also the ways others also affect us and uh, and how do we choose to move forward when we feel negatively affected by something? How do we either continue on perpetuating that negativity or take a different approach? And 
um, see it as an experience or something we chalk up to the, the soup, right? The spices of soup in the soup. And um, I think that there's just a lot that we have to learn as a species about our potential. Um, and I, I also think there's a lot that we need to unlearn. <laughs> I think that uh, we've uh, really created uh, too much, too much stimulation. And I think that in a lot of ways, kind of getting back to the simplicity of the way that humans used to be uh, is just a lot better and would serve us a lot more. Where can people uh, get your book? How can they find out about you and share any closing thoughts you might have for the audience? Yeah, well, they can get my book at boydbooks.net. B-O-Y-D-B-O-O-K-S dot net. And so if you go to that website, you'll get my background, how you can purchase the book on the site. You can see some of my radio and TV interviews. I've done uh, radio and TV interviews across the world. Uh, so it's pretty easy to, to get the book if you go to that site. Uh, some of my closing thoughts are basically, uh, hopefully that I've said something this morning that inspires somebody to take the gambles in life to enjoy it. Life is to be enjoyed, not to just be survived. I am a living example of what you can do with, with your life if you take risks. I mean, risk is part of the world and don't always think that if you take a risk, you're always gonna fail because believe it or not, sometimes you take a risk and you succeed beyond your wildest dream. But uh, difficulties are part of life, learn from them. And don't be afraid to go somewhere you haven't been before. Because where you haven't been before may be better or beyond your wildest dream. So always dream, always dream, always plan to help other people. That's another thing. Always try to help your fellow man. Don't down your fellow man. If you can give your fellow man a hand, be willing to do that at all times and uh, leave the world, as my grandmother used to say, leave the world a better place than you found it. Try to, when you leave, what do you leave? Uh, I haven't seen anybody take gold to the cemetery or Brink's truck that follows a, a hearse, but I have seen people leave, like Danny Thomas, for example, in St. Jude, a wonderful legacy to live, where he's been gone some time, but the world is a better place because he lived. That's just one example. There's millions of examples of people making the world a better place, and they may be long gone, but we still reap the benefits of them being here. I love that so much. I love everything you said, and I and I love the idea. I recently had a friend of mine say uh, that their mission was to leave every relationship um, better than they entered it, it as themselves and for the other person. And I loved that thought. Like if I'm leaving any relationship that I've come into where that person has had a, a good experience or is a little better off for having known me or having spent time with me, that seems like a beautiful thing. I, I just really appreciate and value everything that you said. And I do believe that in giving there is receiving and we sometimes forget that. Um, so I think that's beautiful. Well, um, folks, if you want to learn more about his incredible life journey, Mr. Boyd, uh, visit his website links always in the show notes and 
Thank you so much, Sylvester, for coming on today and sharing some of your perspective on these things about happiness that are maybe a different way to look at things than we have in the past. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.